0: Thanks for joining us at Faith Bible Chapel. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and brings you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service, find a small group, or simply find out more about the church, stop by our website at www.faith.church. Today's title is Teamwork Makes the Dream Work. Let's just put on there baby, okay? Teamwork makes the dream work. And so we're coming to Mark chapter 3. Jesus is uh, calling his team together to carry out his ministry. And this is what we find and let's read the passage and then we'll get into the message. Mark chapter 3, Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted. He handpicked them and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they may be with him, say with him, and that he might send them, say "Send send them, he might be with them and send them out to preach and to have authority. Say authority. To drive out demons and these are the 12 he appointed, Simon, who he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, his brother John, he gave them, them the names sons of thunder. Now I heard a joke one time, don't be offended, someone said maybe they just had gas and they were called sons of thunder. But anyway, we move on. Listen, I'm jet-lagged so I can say whatever I want. So here we go. Then Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew. I'm glad my wife is in the second service. She would not approve of that. Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. This is Jesus' team. He called them together. And when Jesus launched his ministry, he could have done everything by himself. He was fully man and fully God. He actually didn't need anybody. He could have healed the sick. He raised the dead. He could have done all of that. He could have positioned everything where he didn't need anybody else. He could have brought the message all by himself and left the message and the message maybe could have continued. But that's not how he did it. He chose to bring himself a team and whether you realize it or not, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you become a team. You become a group of, of believers that, that God has called you to be together. But, so instead of Jesus being a, a lone ranger... He brought this group of men together that he empowered, he trained them, he taught them, he believed in them, he called things out of them they didn't, they didn't even see themselves. And we know these 12 disciples as the 12 apostles. And I just want to take just a, a moment here and address something just so you know a disciple simply means a follower. So when you say you're a disciple of Jesus, it means you're a follower of Jesus. He's the one when he says jump, you say how high. When he, says, when he sa- says go, you go. When he says stop, you stop. Because you're a follower of Jesus. Also, these are the 12 apostles. And this is apostles with a capital A. Say capital A. Amen. These 12 apostles are the ones that he chose to establish his church. Many of them wrote much of the New Testament. And they were the ones he Picked, But we do still have people who operate in the apostolic gifting today who operate in that gifting. But in all reality, every person on the face of the planet that is a follower of Jesus is called to be an apostle. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. Because apostle, the, the word apostle means this, one who is sent out. And when you become a follower of Jesus, you are then sent out out. You have a purpose. You have a call. You have a message. You have something burning in your bones that you just can't wait to to tell somebody else. That's what it should be. And so the reality is this these apostles, these 12 apostles, that God has honored them. They were chosen by Jesus. Out of Revelation 21, it says that on the foundations of the new Jerusalem after Jesus returns, their name will be on the 12 foundations of new, the new Jerusalem. So, they, there aren't going to be any other names on there except for these 12. There's some confusion in the body of Christ that, that people, they, they will actually say this, that they are at the same level of apostleship as these 12. And I'm telling you right now, that is, for the best word I can tell you today, that's baloney. Just so you're aware of that. You can have apostolic life like giftings where maybe you're a pastor, a leader, you plant churches, you, you raise up other leadership, but no other person is going to be on those 12 foundations of the new Jerusalem except for these 12. And so these are the ones that Jesus called to himself. These are the apostles with the capital A. These are the ones that that God has entrusted his message and his work of his ministry to these 12. God believes in teamwork. He believes in a group of people. This is something you need to know. God never does anything alone. He always incorporates others to accomplish his work. Even in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he said, let us, meaning teamwork, let us make man in our image. Still today, God never does anything alone. He's still calling people to be on his team. He's still calling people to be a disciple. And God is still calling you to be a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ today. And Mark 6 Jesus sends out the 12. He gives them specific instructions of what they're to do. But before we get into that, and I'll, I'll get into that in Mark chapter 6, I want to talk to you today about what are the marks of a disciple. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, what marks should be on your life? And as we look at the disciples that Jesus taught and he, and he spoke into and he, and he raised up and he, and he, and he called to live a life that not very many people were were living. There are some foundational attributes or marks that made them disciples. And these are the same today. So I just want to give you three fundamental marks of of a disciple. And I want you to examine your life through the word of God. And we can answer the question, is that mark on your life? The first mark of a disciple is this mark, number one, is that you hang out with Jesus, you have a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus called his disciples that they might be with him. There's an intimacy, there's a relationship, there's something happening in in their hearts. Jesus wanted to hang out with these guys so he could pour his life into them, so that he could speak to them, so that he could call them to a higher place. The primary responsibility of a disciple is, please hear me today, is not for you to go out and work for Jesus. That's not the primary goal of a disciple. The primary goal of a follower of Jesus is to get alone with him, to get to know him, to spend time with him, to know his heart. To pray to him, to listen for his voice, to grow in intimacy with him, to know what his voice sounds like, to obey his voice. This is the primary goal of a disciple, just like it says Jesus called them that they might be with him. God created you and called you and saved you for one reason, and that is that you would know Him. You would know His heart. That you would know that there were no orphans in the body of Christ. There are no orphans in God's family. That you have a loving Heavenly Father. You have an advocate. You have one who loves you. You have one who adores you. You have one whose main design for your life is that you would know Him, the creator of the universe. Isn't that amazing? That's the whole purpose. That's the mark of a disciple. Is that there is this, there is this hunger, there is this desire to be with Jesus. There's an account in the in the scriptures that many of you are probably aware of, but there is these two sisters. One was named Mary and one was named Martha. And Jesus visited their home and Martha was slaving away in the kitchen and she was getting the hummus and the falafels and the shawarma and the olives and, the, and everything ready. And, and she was baking and it was smelling good. I love talking about food when it's close to lunchtime. And she, she was just having a good old time. But she was busting her rear end in the kitchen. And, and her sister wasn't helping her. And so she goes out and, and she looks over. And there's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is talking. Mary's hanging out with Jesus. Martha's like, man, I'm here. I'm slaving for you. I'm trying to get everyone fed. So she goes over to Jesus. She's like, Jesus, listen, I've got a problem. I'm working in the kitchen and Mary's not helping at all. I'm frustrated. And this is how Jesus responded to her. This is what he said out of Luke 10. He said that Martha... Martha, I love how he calls her name twice, huh? Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one is needed. Mary, and I can imagine he pointed to her. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. The main purpose for you as a disciple is to know God's heart, for you to be near Him. Not for you to labor and work, no, for you to know Him, for you to have a relationship with Him. When He moves, you know He's moving. When He speaks, you hear His voice. When you read His word, it comes alive in you and you apply it in your life, that is number one so though this is number one, what happens is once you get to know his heart, once you get to know why you were created, once you, once you understand that, that he's always drawing you closer and closer, you then are a follower of Jesus. And then that means you take on his mission, his purpose, his goal. Which brings us to mark number two of your life as a disciple is this. Number two is that you speak about Jesus. Once you know him, you begin to speak about him. This is what the disciples, this is the the progression in their lives. The heart of God is to assemble a team. And that knows him, that understands his heart but also to help grow his kingdom. And you cannot grow the kingdom of God just by studying the Bible and praying. Yes, you can have an impact through intercession, but that isn't all what it's about. And if you truly know his heart, you're truly going to reflect his heart by speaking about him to others. The Bible says after what we just read that Jesus sent them out to preach, to speak for for the message of Jesus to be a part of, of their lives. And the job of preaching isn't just for me, it's for every person who's a follower of Jesus. It's the job of every disciple that the message of your mouth is a message of hope. And some people say, "You listen, I don't have to say anything, I just live a Christian life. Yes, but no. The call of Jesus is that the words of your mouth. That it, it blows my mind sometimes when I think about how God gave the hope of the world and he limited to, to, to words and that as we proclaim the message... He uses that message to land in the hearts of men and women that they can accept it or reject it. But it starts with words that are formed through vocal cords and air and, and our tongue between our mouth that they come out as words. They, they're communicated to our minds and the words of the gospel then pierce the heart. And man has the chance to know the God of the universe through the simplicity of words. It just blows my mind. But that's how he created it. And so here Jesus says, I've called you to go out and preach. I've called you to go out and speak. And there is this thought, you know, I, I, no, I just, we don't have to say anything. We just need to live a Christian life. I, you know, and I think a lot of that is motivated by this quote. Have you ever heard of the quote from St. Francis Assisi who said, preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary. Have you heard that? A lot of us have. That sounds really nice, but here's the truth, and you can look this up. He never actually said that. He never said that. Someone took what, what, something he said, took it out of context and used it to push this agenda that you actually don't need to preach the gospel. You just need to live good Christian lives. Yes, you need to. We need to live our lives, but we live lives that are good out of our relationship with him, not out of purpose and works. But there's also a part of this that we need to speak of him if we're to be disciples. If if you think about that, if you preach the gospel constantly without using words, it's like saying, go and feed the poor and needy without using food. It doesn't make any sense. And it's the same way that God has reduced the gospel down to words and actually... St. Francis of Assisi said this, it is no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching, meaning our lives need to line up with what we're saying. That's what he was saying. And we're called to walk the walk as, as as a mark of a disciple. We're called to talk the talk as a mark of a disciple. But there's only one meaning of the word preach, and my friends, it's to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the meaning. You got to preach it. You can't do that silently. If you're a believer, you have something to share. And all of us think, well, no, I don't, or you know what, my life isn't perfect so I can't say anything. And you know, I, I'm, I, I don't think I do have something to say. Listen, yes, you do. You have an incredible message of this. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was destined for hell, but Jesus came in my life and he, and he gave me hope and he gave me life and he forgave me and he set me free. And I just wanted to share that message with you. If you have any questions about Jesus, just talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about it. That's all. That's all we say. But it's still something we need to say. You can fill in other details. You can tell other things, but the reality is the mark of a disciple is that you speak about Jesus. Yes, you use wisdom, yes, you use tact, yes, you use right timing, all of those things, but we still speak about Jesus. The third mark of a disciple as we look at the lives of the other disciples and the apostles is number three, you have the authority of Jesus. And this is maybe something you were unaware that you have, but you need to know this. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are hanging with Jesus, knowing him, if you are speaking about him, this is something you need to know today. You have the same authority as him today. I know he said, Well, no, no, Jason, I'm just a I'm just man. I'm just, You're right, you are. But you need to know this inside of you dwells the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You have authority. Jesus gave authority to his disciples in this passage to drive out demons. In other words, to take authority over demonic powers. And so we're going to talk about this later as we get into the book of Mark. But you need to understand that you have authority over the enemy when you speak the name of Jesus. There is no demon in the darkness of hell that can stand when you speak the name of Jesus. You need to understand that. You you can, in the name of Jesus, you can come against any strategy of the enemy against your family. You can cast down every thought that's contrary to the word of God. You can take authority over the demonic powers, over your home, over your family, whatever it may be. You speak the name of Jesus and in Jesus' name I command every demonic power to be released in Jesus' name. You can do that. That's for you to do. So here's the reality, Satan and his demonic army are waging war against all people, including you. And here's what you need to know. One, you don't have any advantage in your name. I have zero advantage over demonic powers in the name of Jason King or in the name of Faith Bible Chapel. But we have authority over the enemy in the name of Jesus. First John 4.4 says this, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. He's speaking about Satan. That's what you need to know. This is a mark of a disciple. And maybe this is an area of your life you, you want to grow in and you can. But just begin to understand that Jesus has given you the authority to have, you have authority over demonic powers and demonic presence. In Luke chapter 10. Jesus sends out 72 disciples and they go out and they're rebuking demons and they're, and they're like, wow, this is, it was, it's, it's like these kids that, that, that like got something, got a gift from Christmas and they're like, check this out. And they come out and they're like, Jesus, we can tell demons to leave and they leave. And Jesus is like, I know, it's pretty amazing, but priorities, priorities, everybody say priorities. Jesus sets the priorities. However... Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's the priority. And that's because the, your authority is based out of your relationship with Jesus. And that's what Jesus is talking about. It's very important that for me in my own life, um, I, I don't allow anything demonic to entertain me. A movie, a book, none of that. Why? Because I, I want to give zero, zero um, attention to or any type of anything that would elevate the works of darkness, I won't have it in my life or in my home, ever. And some people think, oh, Jason, that's silly. No, it's okay. You can, you can, you can read books about witches and you can do that. Here, here's the deal. I've stood and I've prayed with someone, my wife and I in the Philippines, and this is a precious Filipino young girl who we were praying for, who did not speak English, and she began speaking to us in English in a male's voice. And so at that moment, we took authority over the demonic power, we commanded it to leave her body, and it did instantly. Praise God. But here's the deal, demonic realms are real. We, I've walked on the streets of Ghana, we were on our way, and a witch stood on her porch and cursed us. There was three, three of us pastors. She was, she was cursing. She was hurling curses over us. So for me, in my life, I'm not having anything demonic. I'm not being entertained by it. I'm not allowing it into my life because God's given me the authority over it, therefore I'm not having it. And so it's important you understand you have the authority to come against demonic powers. You were never a victim. You were actually actually victorious if you were a follower of Jesus and you hang out with him. Amen. So here's the reality. Jesus is still putting people on his team. So I just want to give three areas that he's still putting people on his team today. And I want us just to understand that this is a very fundamental message. But it's very important we understand That Jesus is still putting people on his team. Number one, he's putting people on his local church team. In other words, he's building the church. He's building the local church. Now there's a difference in the Bible when it speaks of church. There is church, the big C, which means every person on the planet that that has put their, their trust in Jesus Christ, they are a part of the church, global church. But then there's another word in Scripture, little c, that speaks of the local church. And so this is the word ecclesia which which means uh, which means people who are called out they were to be a part of a church of people who are called out of the world were called to be a part of a church. And so this whole idea is this that the big C, the big church is what Paul refers to out of Ephesians chapter 5. You have big sea church and and, and little sea church. Ephesians chapter 5 says husbands love your wives just as Christ love the church. That should be capitalized actually. Because this is speaking of the global church. Jesus laid down His life for the church, for the whole church, for every person on the planet. And this speaks of this global church. But the word in, in, in the scripture is often used of little c. The New Testament is referring many times to the local church, like the church in Philippi, the church at uh, Thessalonica, the church at, um, in Ephesus, or the church in Colossae, or the church in Arvada, like Faith Bible Chapel. That's the little c church. And Paul used this analogy of the human body within these, these churches, and he uses the same analogy for us in this church, that God's calling you to be a part of a local church. And there are people today who think, no, local church isn't necessary. You don't need one. It's, 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 all, it's, it's this or it's that. Listen, that's baloney. It's not true. It's very biblical that you belong to a local church. That's why Paul wrote letters to local churches. That's why Peter wrote letters to local churches, because it, it's, it's God's plan for you to be in a local church. God wants you to join a local church so you can get in a place and you can serve and you can grow in your faith. And as Paul talked about, we are part, he he refers to us as like we're the body of Christ. Many different members, if you look around the room, many different members and many different roles. So the members of the church in our church, Faith Bible Chapel, we have different functions. But everyone is important. The hand can't say to the eye, I don't need you. And the nose can't say to the mouth, I don't need you. Why? Because we need each other. We're called to be a part of this church. And that's why it's so important. That's why I always talk often about family. I talk often about, about us as a church family. Because and, and I, I know in my heart that if we were, to, if we were to, to actually unify in the way that God wants us to, that it would be God would begin to bless us and God would begin to use us and it would be an absolute amazing thing that God could do with us. If we just embrace the reality that this is my church and I'm going to give my life to this church and that's what God calls us to do. He really does. But often people there's this there's this tension because we are we are in a consumer mentality a lot. But in order for you to really walk out God's purpose in your life, you need to belong to a local church. And it's the difference between being a spectator and a participant. A spectator is one who hops from church to church to church. A participant is one who says, this is my church, and I'm going to invest my life here, and I'm going to allow God to use me here. I'm going to allow God to give me leadership here. I'm going to allow God for, for us as a church family, little c, ecclesia, for us, for God to use us to transform the city, our nation, and the world together. And A test, really, for us, if you're a spectator or a participant, a lot of times has to do with heart and attitude. If you find yourself thinking more about what the church has to offer you, or do you think more of how you can fulfill your purpose and what you can do to serve in the church? It's the old JFK presidential speech. I'm, I know many of you remember. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what? What you can do for your, for your country we love that about our country. We don't like to say that about our church. What do you mean? That's the difference between a spectator and a participant. God has a mission and a vision for your life. And I believe with all of my heart for me, the only way that I'll fulfill that is in the confines of the local church God's called me to be a part of. And I believe it's the same for you. And so my encouragement to you is begin to step into being a participant. The reality is this, that the people who are, who are spectators in the local church most of the time, they're the complainers and they're cranky. Amen. But those who are participants are humble. There's a, they have a servant's attitude. They don't don't see what's wrong. They see where they can get involved and be a part of the ministry and let's reach the lost together and let's let's touch our community. And and they're always discipling someone else or reaching out to someone else. They're fun to be around and they're, they're entrusted with more and more influence because they're participants, not just spectators. And God has called all of us to be participants in the local body because the scripture says that if we together lift him up in our midst through unity that we will tell the world he is actually who he says he is. And that's the purpose of the local church. Another team that God is still calling people to be a part of is number two, to a small group team. I believe this with all of my heart, that God's called every person to be a part of a small group. And I want to encourage you. This isn't for, from guilt or to guilt you into something. This is just to encourage you. To maybe get you to think differently about church, about small groups, and it's great for us to come together and we worship together and we, we sense God's presence together. We hear the word preached together. But if all you ever do is come to worship, you're missing out on a great blessing and great freedom that God has for you that can be found in the confines of a small group. And th- it's our biblical model. We didn't make up this idea of small groups. We actually, everything we do here is to to do our best to follow the example of scriptures. And in scripture, in in Acts chapter 2, you have large group worship and you have small group fellowship. That's what we try to do. We want to grow larger as a church by growing smaller through small groups. And there's a blessing and a freedom that can only happen in small groups for your life, where people know your name, where people know your needs. And then here's the flip side, where you know other people's names and you know other people's needs and you can be there for them when they need you. There's a word in the New Testament that actually talks about fellowship, which the word is, word is koinonia, but it actually just means this sharing life together. And that's, that's what really we've we've chosen to do here as a church. We're just not a a church that has small groups. We're a a group of small groups that is a church. That's really what we're striving to become. And so we have done tons of, of small groups that are single people, married people, young people, old people, people who like to discuss things, people who like to be taught, people who want to hike, almost said people who want to take a hike, but that's not what I was meaning to say, people who like to hike, people who like to hang out, and you can find all about that at faith.church. And let me just encourage you, and I know life's busy, and I know seasons get busy, no pressure, but your blessing is waiting for you in a small group that you would be a part of. And the best small group, this is just another side note, is a small group that's made up of people from the church that you're a part of. Because it creates synergy from what's taught on Sunday to what God did during worship. That, that all of you are under the same spiritual authority and leadership. It will make your group stronger and healthier. I guarantee it, it will. And number three, the team that God is still building is impact team. And I want to encourage you, you can join our impact team here. You might be saying, well, Jason, well, this whole message is just about what the church needs. Right. It is. Because Jesus is the leader of this church. And we are the, are the ones who know Him, we are the workers in the church. and We're the ones that He's going to use to bring His message to people around us. We're all about teams here at Faith Bible Chapel. And there, we have several hundred people that are a part of our impact teams that serve. You even have your own room because we love you so much. We gave you your own room. You could, we have food for you. We, you can, we have snacks in there and drinks, a place where you can lock up your stuff. Because we value you. Because it, we're, we're ministering together. Every member of this body is a minister. And there are two kinds of people. There are people who, who come and just receive. But there are people who come and receive and give out. Just last week we drove by the Dead Sea. And, and it's, a, it's a principle that's in... in and a lot of different commentaries it's called the dead sea principle. And the reason why the dead sea is actually a dead sea is because there are, it receives from the different streams around it. And waters flow into it and into it and into it. But there is no output of the sea. And so what happens that over time, if you just receive and you don't have a place to give an output, you begin to die you begin to miss out on why God created you. You begin to, to not be as fresh as what you received. And so God is just inviting us to be a part of, of serving together, giving together. And so I'm so thankful for our teams that give and serve week after week. But this is what it means to be a disciple. is that we, we are with Jesus. We speak of Jesus, we have the authority of Jesus, and then our lives demonstrate what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We have the same spirit, the same attitude. This is why God put us on this earth, is to make a difference. We're here to reach the lost and broken generation. Without us, who's going to tell them? Without us stepping into why God's called you, why has God saved you, who's going to reach those that God's called us as a church to reach. Maybe this is a difficult message because all of us, we love to consume, including myself. But God has called you to be a disciple. Jesus has called you to be a disciple. And the last words of Jesus to his disciples, the 12 apostles, was go and make disciples. Preach the gospel and make disciples. And that's what God gives us the opportunity to do here as a family, here as a church. That that gnawing emptiness in your heart, you think, man, what is this? What's this emptiness? May I suggest that that emptiness is you're not serving somewhere. You don't have an outlet that you can pour out and serve other people. I would, just, I would just suggest that if you could begin to serve on one of our impact teams, whether it's greeting people at the door, whether it's serving on our usher teams or help with, help with our parking team or our children's team or our FSM's team or whatever the teams may be, maybe it's leading a small group, whatever that may be, that that could quiet the restlessness in your heart because you were created to mimic the Jesus that you follow. So I just want to encourage you today. Let's begin stepping into what God has for us. This is what the enemy will tell you, though. You know what? The church doesn't need me. I'm not qualified enough. Well, listen, take a number. None of us are qualified. But it's through the grace of Jesus Christ and the willingness of our heart to say, God, use me. If you'll use me, use me. And God will use you any time there is a willing heart. Put aside every thought that you're you're not capable, you're not not able. Put, Put aside all those thoughts. God's called you to make a difference with your life. Jesus said this, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's what Jesus said. That's what he said. So if you want to receive the blessing, start to give. Start to serve. And you'll never experience that blessing until you start blessing other people. God's called you to be a part of this church, this local church, Little C, for us to serve one another, to serve our community, and that God would use us to find our place in the body of Christ so that, so that God's will could be done through your life, through your family. Many of you have children, I think the best way to help your children fall in love with church is to serve with them in church. There's something about serving that that as, as a young kid, I, I can't shake it. It's, it, it. It just became a part of who I am. And I love church. I love people. Because as a young man I started to serve. I started to give. It established something in my heart. And so I just want to encourage you today that s- simply this, I need you And you need me and we need to serve together because truly, my friends, we are better together. We are better in unity. We are better with one heart, one mind. We are better. And I want to encourage you, if this is your church, begin to serve. Begin to love this church. Protect this church. Speak well of this church. Don't let anyone speak ill of this church. Defend this church. Defend what God is doing. Defend your brother or your sister. Begin to serve and give. You guys with me today? This is your church. And so all of us are invited to follow Jesus, to be a disciple. And maybe today... Maybe through this message you've been challenged. Maybe you've been doing for Jesus and you've realized, man, I haven't really been close to him. I haven't been hanging with him like I should be. No wonder you're tired. Jesus says, it's come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Or maybe, maybe you, you've, been, you've been with him, but you've never taken the next step and done anything. Maybe you've never spoken about Jesus to anyone. I just want to encourage you, take a step of faith. Let your faith actually be seen by others through your words. I want to challenge you this week, share your faith with someone. That might be as simple as saying this, hey, listen, I know you're going through a tough time. I want you to know Jesus loves you. He's met me in my life, and he can meet you as well. That's all you got to say. Let your faith be a faith that people see. Begin to invite people to come to your church because you love it, because it's important to you. This is a season and a time that God is, is asking us to take a step to begin to engage our life with His mission and bring people to Him more and more and more. And I believe that that's what God has for us as a church. So let's make a commitment today to listen to His voice, to obey Him, to serve somewhere to be a part of this family and understand that you are a part of this body called Faith Bible Chapel. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 10.45 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, check our website at www.faith.church.